19, and I got a comment on it briefly, and I think we'll come back to it as as time goes on. But it's a whole lot we can judge by the appearances of the way things are. We're about to read a horrible, heinous act. And our Lord told us, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Oh, I need reminded of that often. Often. It says in Genesis 19, verse 30, And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come into unto us after the manner of all the earth. The Lord just destroyed the two cities in the plain that these girls had ever known. That's all they had ever known. And it got destroyed. And they thought Lot was the only believing man there was left on this earth. And they saw what happened to their sisters who married worldly men on purpose. Dead. Graveyard dead. And so they got together. And they didn't seek the advice of their father. They didn't go find Uncle Abraham and say, you're God's prophet, what do you think? Do you get that? (laughs) Is that rocket science? Did they do that? They did not do that. (laughs) And so they had their own ideas. And they come up with their own plans. Come up out of their own head. Verse 32 says, Come, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him. That, here's the reason they're going to do it. Their self-justification. That we may preserve seed of our father. What a glorious and wonderful thing. Hogwash. That's pitiful, isn't it? Absolutely horrible. Our judgment is most of the time wrong. What I think's right, what you think's right, off the hip, worldly, ain't right. You get that? It's wrong. And when we justify ourselves, we'll see this next hour too, and later here. That's wrong. Well, I, but, but, you know what happened? Wrong. Wrong. If it's against the Word of God, it's flat wrong. If it's easy on me, if it feels good, if it's comfortable for me, it's likely wrong. We know that, don't we? You want to go on a diet? If it tastes good, don't eat it. <laughs> right? You'll learn. It tastes a bunch of change. I love broccoli. But a rule of thumb, right? If it tastes good, it smells good, boy, that's, just, mm, that's yummy. It ain't no good for you. It ain't. This, what's happening here is clean wrong. This is sin. Period. Period. Verse 33, And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he perceived not when she laid down, nor when she arose. He didn't know this was taking place. No excuse. We'll see that in a minute too. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not. He didn't know. Didn't know any better. He was laid up drunk two nights in a row, wasn't he? I don't want to get worldly on those things, but uh, our sobriety, the Lord tells us to be sober-minded, don't we? 
That means don't be drunk on the, the wine of Babylon, or the, the religion of this world, but there's good sense and don't stay laying up drunk all the time neither. Lay off the weed. <coughs> Thus both daughters of Lot, verse 36, were with child by their father. The firstborn bare a son. I took ten months, you know that? This happened in a paragraph? Does it happen in a sentence? Ten months later. The firstborn brought a son. His name was Moab. The same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger, she also bare a son and called his name ben ben The same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. This was not a joyride. We don't hear anything of the lot of Lot, life of Lot until Peter writes of him. Our Lord mentions him that it'll be in the, as in the days of Lot when he'll return. But Peter writes of him. God moves Peter to write him of him, calls him just, godly, righteous Lot. <laughs> but the life of Lot, the daily interactions of Lot, he was miserable over his sin. You think he was going around giving parent advice all over town? That's called shut up to sin, isn't it? You think he's giving advice? No, he wasn't. He was shut up to sin. He took care of those boys. He provided those boys. He protected those boys. But every time he looked them in the eye, every time they talked to him, it was an ever-living reminder of the horrendous acts that was committed from a nature he has from Adam. You get that? We, we, need, we need strong promises in the Lord. And we need stark warnings too. We need dire warnings. Paul said, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. How could something good come from this? How could grace abound from a horrible situation like this? Why is this recorded for us to read? Why are we to teach our children out of this? Moab must be born. Why? There's a Moabitess named Ruth that must be born. And she's going to get married. And her husband's going to be killed. And her father-in-law's going to be killed. And her brother-in-law's going to be killed. And her mother-in-law, Naomi, is going to say, I'm leaving. You stay here. She said, your God is my God. Your people is my people. And they're going to go back to the house of bread. Ain't they? They're going to go to God's house. Not out by themselves. They're going to go to God's house. And there's going to be Boaz. And all what comes down from that line, our Savior come from him. People say, well, this is a horrible act. Every day you live is a horrible act. Every thought you have outside of Christ and, and outside of that new man He puts in us is absolutely deplorable in the sight of God. It's horrible. In chapter 20, sin abounds again. And you'll say, well, this ain't nowhere near as bad. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It's against God. Is that bad? What if it's a little against God? What if, what if we only tell... What if I tell mostly the truth to you? That'd be good. What if I just have good intentions? Well, I meant... I intended to preach the gospel to you. <laughs> and then didn't. It's eternal life and death, isn't it? Here in chapter 20, there's three characters we're going to see. Abraham. He sins. Tells his wife to say she's his sister again. <laughs> again. He's full of fear of men and he acts on it. And we see Sarah full of unbelief. She gets horrible instruction and she acts on it to help herself. 
what was good for her. Abimelech, he has no clue he's sinning. He's drunk on this world. He doesn't know what's happening. He's just going through life. And he tries to justify his ignorance. That's wrong. He said, I did good. No, you didn't. <laughs> God tells it. God's grace abounds at every level. For His people, His grace abounds in all things. Does that mean we should sin more? Paul continued from chapter 5, and he said in chapter 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live it any longer therein? How can we live towards this? How can that be our desire? It won't be for a child of God, is it? Believers do exactly what they want. <laughs> Our new man does. It wants to worship God, honor Him, not bring reproach on the gospel. We're going to see here in a minute too what it's like whenever a, a heathen rebukes a child of God. And they're right. And that's embarrassing. <laughs> Shameful, isn't it? Let's see what happens to these three people in chapter 20. We'll read the whole thing and then I'll make some comments on it. Genesis 20, verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled in Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of, his, of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister. Told everybody in town, that's my sister right there. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said unto him, Behold, Thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, she's a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she's my sister? And she said even herself, he's my brother. In the integrity of my heart and in the innocence of my hands have I done this. Oh, and God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for, because, I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. You didn't do that, Abimelech. I did. <laughs> now therefore restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. If thou restore her not, no. Thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning, and he called his servants and told all these things in their ears. And the men were sore afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee, that thou hast brought me on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou? What thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought... <laughs> There's a problem in it. Because I thought, Surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet indeed she is my sister. She's the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. I was, now what I told you was right, part right. <laughs> It's a half-truth. It's a white lie, right? Based on some truth. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said unto her, This is thy kindness which thou shalt show unto me. At every place whither we shall come, say of me, 
He's my brother. And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants and women servants and gave them unto Abraham and restored him Sarah his wife. Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleaseth thee. A little different than Pharaoh when he cast him out, wasn't it? He said, You stay here with us. And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all. That means he's your husband. He's what the, he should be the apple of your eye. You get that? You quit following other husbands. Paul said, you women submit to your own husbands. He said, that's your own husband. And you quit lying to people and tell them he's your brother. That's your husband. What a rebuke. <laughs> Thus she was reproved. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they all bare children, because the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. <laughs> that whole place, that whole nation went barren, and the Lord restored them, gave them fruit. Abraham lied. He told a little white lie. It was part truth. There's no such thing. And he did it because he was afraid. He was afraid of men. He was afraid of King Abimelech. Now you think of everything he just went through. Think of his whole life. That's what we've been looking at for a couple months now, isn't it? Think of him going down to Egypt and the Lord keeping him. Think of him and then 318 men going and killing those four kings that took over five kings. Think about him interceding for Lot and the Lord destroying an entire city, two of them, and bringing out His own. And the Lord's promised Him, you're going to have a son, and your seed's going to be more than the stars that you can see in the sky at night. You can't count them. And He got scared to death. And He said, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. Sarah's so beautiful. <laughs> Here's this 90-year-old woman that's lovely. I don't know what she looked like, but she was pretty enough a king to take notice everywhere they went. <laughs> and he said, they're going to kill me. That's unbelief, isn't it? That's fearing man, not fearing God. That's fearing the creature, not fearing the Creator. We're going to learn something from it. Better pay attention. Solomon wrote to us, Proverbs 29, he said, The fear of man bringeth a snare. Boy, what kind of snare Abraham and his wife and his whole house come into, isn't it? He said, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. In Proverbs 9 and 10, he said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Don't Abraham have knowledge of the holy? Don't he have knowledge of the Lord? Of course he did. What can we learn from this? Even old, solid believers in the faith still have an old nature capable of doing absolutely anything if the Lord's pleased to take His hand off of them for a fraction of a second. Let him that thinketh, he standeth, take heed lest he fall. That's present tense, isn't it? I always think I'm standing. <laughs> oh, I'm so strong. This will be fine. Standeth. I always have stood. I always believe God. I always been a good little, good little child, good little boy and girl. I always will be. You're getting ready to fall. Watch it. Pride goeth before destruction. What comes before destruction? Always pride. Well, I. 
get them little fingers going like this, don't we? We turn into snake oil salesmen and think we got cure for everything. And a haughty spirit before fall. Happy is the man that feareth always, Solomon told us. I don't sound happy. That's real happy. That's a good place to be. Trouble's a good place to be. Absolutely crying out. I mean moaning. Ah! Tears, snot going all over the place. That's a good place to be. We'll see us next hour. These two go hand in hand. The Lord hears those that are in trouble. Do you know that? Well, what a benefit comes with that. This didn't just happen to Abraham, did it? It happened to David. I know you all remember this. In 1 Samuel 21, David arose and he fled for fear of Saul. He's afraid of a man. And he went to Achish, the king of Gath. What was that? That's where Goliath was from. He went to the Philistines. And you know what he did? He got scared of them when he got there. He was scared of Saul. Then he was scared of those in Gath. And he laid these words on his heart. He's so afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them. And he feigned himself. He faked it. He acted like a madman in their hands. And he scrambled at the doors of the gates, running around. And he let spittle fall down from his beard. What happened? Strong, mighty, steady, the warrior, King David, was scared? Was he? Was he to the point he faked being crazy? So they wouldn't hurt him? Sure did, didn't it? What's that remind us of? The best of men are men at best. The most mighty believer born of Adam that's ever lived, the strongest, most mature believer that's ever lived is in need of God's mercy and God's grace every day. And the weakest child, the least of them, that has a new life and that just, just was saved right now, is in complete need of God's mercy and God's grace. No different, is it? No different. We are never above needing our Lord. We are never above relying on Him for every breath that we take to keep us up and to sustain us in all things. It's needful. Sadly, this is common to all believers in it. How fearful we get. How downtrodden we get. How worried we get. Believers. I chose my words carefully. Believers. Oh, Brother Pink said, Men and women who trust their eternal souls to Christ alone are so slow to trust Him with their mortal bodies. Is that right? <laughs> Put anything else in there. Your bank account, uh, your children growing up, uh, getting enough stuff to get school supplies for the year, whatever it is. We're so slow to trust Him. I've got to commit my soul to Him. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get through today. I better put my hand to it. It's easy to see Abraham's sin in all this. Again, he did it 20, 25 years ago, didn't he? Down in Egypt. I'll never do that again. You better watch your nevers. What about Sarah? Briefly, I'll cover her. She went along with it. Again. This was the game plan when they left her. That's what she promised him when they got married, wasn't it? Look here in verse 13, Genesis 20, 13. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said unto her, unto Sarah, This is thy kindness which thou shalt show unto me. At every place whither we shall come, say of me, He's my brother. Do me this favor. He's my brother. Why would she do such a thing? She, was, she knew right from wrong. 
They still got about 400 years before the law comes around. She knew right from wrong, didn't she? That's what Paul told us in Galatians 3. I thought that was precious. And the Scripture preached before the Gospel unto Abraham. Well, they didn't have the Scriptures, did they? Moses hadn't wrote about Abraham yet. Christ preached to them. He taught them. Nothing's changed, has it? God had to teach His people. He sent a man to them. He sent Melchizedek to them. He sent others, didn't He? Knowing better. What would make Sarah willing? Well, she's just an obedient wife. Ah, nonsense. That's <laughs> self-serving is what it was. Mankind errs greatly in thinking that women are more pious than men are. She came there for carnal comfort. Those palaces, do you think that would have been nicer than living in a tent? Do you think having good food, better, better variety of things... Soft bed, hard walls that don't flap whenever the wind blows every time we wake up in the middle of the night. And look at the bounty. We got out of Pharaoh last time this happened. Oh, we got a whole bunch of servants and, and gold and riches, didn't we? We can put all our servants' kids through braces. We can get new school clothes. We can put back some for a rainy day. Self-serving, wasn't it? Oh, but she's a picture of Christ. Look here in verse 7. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he's a prophet. This horrible fella, yeah, he's a prophet. But he didn't feel like one that day. And he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Don't you touch that woman. That's what he said. You touch her, I'll kill you and I'll kill everybody you know. What is that? She's self-serving. I have her. <laughs> I don't want this one. Oh, no, no. That's his bride. That's a picture of Christ. That's the picture of his bride. That's us, isn't it? He said, Touch not mine anointed. He said, That's mine. You think of what a horrible bride we are. And then you read Song of Solomon and how the Lord sees us in, in our, our beauty. <laughs> it's the beauty of another, isn't it? It's the works of another, it's the faith of another. What about Abimelech? Verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said unto him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, because the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. He didn't do anything, right? He didn't went into her. Our Lord said, Matthew 5, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And he said, i got a clean heart. No, you don't. No, you don't. I pray God would say to someone here today, you're dead. You're dead in trespasses and sins. I hope we can hear it new today. I might have known I was dead yesterday. I hope I can know today I'm dead. I need to cry out. Verse 4 says, But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? <laughs> I'm not just okay. Everybody I know is okay. You get that? It's a fool. Who hath bewitched you, Abimelech? Said he not unto me? She, he told me. Didn't he say this, Lord? She's my sister. He lied to me. It ain't my fault. And she even, she herself said, He's my brother, and in, in the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, God spoke to him again. He justified himself 
And the Lord speaks to Abimelech again. He says, Yea, I know that thou did this in the integrity of thy heart. Because, for, here's how you did it. I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. You didn't not do it, Abimelech. I made you not do it. That's what he told him. You didn't do it. I did it. Did you save yourself? Did you justify yourself? Did you sanctify yourself? Did you redeem yourself? No, the Lord did. I did it. He obeys Him. Doesn't that come, doesn't that come with it? Obedience is better than sacrifice, isn't it? He obeys Him. He did what the Lord said, didn't He? That's a shame, though. Some people say, well, I'm not an adulterer. You ever killed a baby? I'm not a baby killer. I've had people tell me that. I'm not a baby killer. My pastor used to say, people confuse the restraining hand of God for their personal holiness. The restraining, the keeping from. God didn't let you do that, and you think you're holy because of it. And they confuse the constraining love. That's what squeezes out, what forces. His constraining love of God for their own good works. I gave a lot, I did a lot, I sacrificed a lot. No, you didn't. God did it, didn't He? Lord did. He gives a command. He told who who it was. Who saves? Who justifies? And he says in verse 7, a commandment with that. Now therefore, now that you learned something, the Lord taught him something quick too. Restore the man his wife because he's a prophet. How could Abraham be a prophet? Could you, how could Hosea be a prophet? How could Jonah be a prophet? 4.30 I woke up this morning, I didn't have nothing. I had nothing for you. And I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and I said, how can I preach? How can I be God's prophet this day? How can I be His man He sent? That's impossible, isn't it? What does God say? I don't care what He did, that's my prophet. <laughs> what about Hosea? He broke the law that God gave, because God told him to. He said, I don't care, that's my prophet. What about Jonah? He booked the ticket the opposite way. I don't care, it's mine. What a picture that is of every child of God who's made us priests and kings before God. It don't matter what you did, you're His. If you're His, you're His. And you'll always be His no matter what. Isn't that comfort? Isn't that comfort? He said, Restore His wife, verse 7, for He's a prophet and He shall pray for thee. And thou shalt live. And if thou restorest her not, know that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that thine that are thine. Therefore, because of that, Lord, the Lord gave a warning and a command, and immediately he obeyed. Therefore, Abimelech rose early in the morning and called his servants and told these things in their ears. And the men were sore afraid; they were sore in trouble. Abimelech went to those he loved in his household that he had influence over and he said, we've offended God and we're going to serve Him. You see that? Is that consistent with everything I've been telling you for four years? That's what happened, wasn't it? Verse 14, And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants and women servants and gave them unto Abraham. And he did what God told him to do. And he restored him, Sarah, his wife. God said restore his wife. And what did he do? He went above and beyond. He gave as he was increased. What was he increased? He just had life. 
He just had eternal life, didn't he? And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell there where it pleases thee. Everything I have is yours. You live wherever you want to live. You build a house wherever you want to build a house, just don't leave. <laughs> You're God's prophet. You're God's messenger. He's going, to, he's going to bless me through you praying for me. I want to be where you are. And unto Sarah, he said, Behold, I've given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. That, that's on top of the sheep and oxen, the men servants and the women servants, isn't it? Gave him a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all other. Thus she was reproved. He told Sarah, he said, That's your only husband. Don't you look to me. Don't you ever look to another man. You look to him. What are we to do as the bride of Christ? How are we going to be reproved? Quit looking to everything else in this world and look to Christ. You get that? Did she need to hear this 25 years later? <laughs> she needs to hear this every 25 nanoseconds, don't she? I do. Not everybody does. Christ's bride does. But what a sad thing if what seems to be a worldly person, if an unbeliever has to give us correction. You want to air all your dirty laundry and let everybody know everything you ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and everything you done underneath the sun. You want to do that? Let the world see every thought you have trickling out of your fingers? I don't. There's stuff they'd correct about me and they'd be right. Kevin, you ought not do that. Oh. One thing the Lord corrects you. Another thing, He uses a heathen to do it. And you know they're right. So Abraham prayed unto God, verse 17, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and maidservants, and they bare children. They bear children because the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. They couldn't produce. They couldn't reproduce. There was no fruit coming out of them. And because there was, as a picture of Christ, Abraham, because of the intercession of another, they lived and they produced fruit just like them. Because now there was a branch living in them. They're producing fruit just like the other ones. Ain't it? You see, these three people in this chapter, Abraham's a picture of us all. Fearful, sinful, unbelieving that God would preserve him and, and we're lying to ourselves and everybody around us. Yet, God says, this is my prophet. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God is of him and not of us. Isn't it? Was Abraham something just, we ought to, don't worry about Christ, let's just, dial in on how wonderful Abraham is like the Pharisees did uh, no he's a picture of one greater a greater than Abraham Sarah a picture of the bride of Christ we shall not be touched read that in Psalm 105 the Lord said touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm Miriam we look before it in Numbers 12 was complaining about Zipporah wasn't it going against Moses' wife. And she wasn't much of a winner. <laughs> she wasn't much of a help. Fit for Mo- She was fit for Moses, but she wasn't much of a help. Mean to him, wasn't she? And they said, look, this woman. What you doing? The Lord went and touched her with leprosy, didn't He? And Peter writes, says, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling Him Lord. How can Sarah obey Abraham and honor Him? He's a coward. You get that? He's a coward. He ain't got no backbone in him right now, does he? How could she do that? 
before that verse in First Peter three, he says, "For after this manner, the old time, the women, holy women of old, who also trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands." How could how could Sarah trust Abraham? How could she submit to him? How could she have him as her covering of her eyes? The only focus she had on this earth was serving him because she knew the Lord. Because she was saved by grace. That's how. She trusted the Lord. How can we trust a king on this earth? How can we trust our governor? We have a king of kings. You get that? <laughs> That's how we get. We know him. Well, now we're right as rain. Calm down. Quit looking up the news so much. You'll be all right. We can learn so much from Abraham and Sarah, but how we view them, how we view their situation, how we view Lot's situation, it does not matter. What matters is how God sees them. Remember, this is one-on-one. It don't matter what you think of me. It matters what God thinks of me. It don't matter what you think about the messages I preach. It matters what God thinks about them. You get that? It don't matter how, what other people think, how I pray. It matters what God hears. This we have a lot of comfort. If God, we see it the way God sees it, as He says, as His promises are, you and I can have comfort. He said in Romans 4, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God, but being strong in faith, giving glory to God. He just staggered all the way down the, down the road, didn't he? Twice again. That's what we see. If we was going to write a biography of somebody we loved, I would bought out all the bad stuff, wouldn't you? Well, we don't need to bring it up. Or we can touch on it just a little bit if it's kind of funny, but we don't want to harm, right? What's the Lord do when He, when he gives us a biography of His saints? tells us plainly. Why? So you and I can have comfort. Because we ain't nothing but worthless wretches. We're sinners. It said in Hebrews 11, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and deliver a child when she was past age because she judged Him faithful who has promised. Didn't she laugh? That sin's been put away as far as the east is from the west. Abimelech's not mentioned in Romans and he's not mentioned in Hebrews 11. But I know this much. He's one that God came to. God looked on him. He came to him. He spoke to him. He told him of his sin. He told him that he didn't justify himself that God did it. He gave him direction. He obeyed God. And he didn't just take Sarah back to Abraham, but was generous. He gave abundantly all that he had. And intercession was made for him. He didn't intercede for himself. Somebody else interceded for him. And he and all his household was given life and they produced fruit. What would you think? That sounds pretty good. I think all three, and I think you and I, are in the hands of a capable God who is willing to save to the uttermost. Who delights to show mercy. And we ought to stop doing what we're doing. We ought to stop thinking what we're thinking. We ought to stop religion and how we religion. And we ought to bow to Him and call out to Him. And He'll hear us. Do you know that? Some people say, well, my sin might be exposed. I've been told that before. Everybody might know that I ain't just a cute little Christian that's been saved for 2,000 years and just lived just right. Good. Good. If our sin truly is exposed, a Savior will be revealed. Isn't that something? 